Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody. We are back. Beyond the Bench interview series continues. It forges on. And I'm here. I get to go one-on-one with the Ray one because I am here with Florida State's general manager of personnel, the one, the only, the man with the mysterious Y at the front of his last name, Derek Ray. How you doing, Derek? Good, Trey. How are you? Appreciate you all having me. I'm doing real good. Pronunciation, I, I nailed that, right? Yes. Yeah, the why is there to confuse people. So Absolutely, and it, it does, especially dumb sports writers like myself. You're a man of mystery, and I'm very happy to be able to talk to you today. Thank you for dedicating the time. Now, Derek, you are the general manager of personnel. I don't want to get too office spacey on you right now, but what does that mean for the layman? What are you doing? Yeah, um, lucky enough to be brought in here um, in February and kind of the way college football is going with the evolving roles and what recruiting and personnel and evaluations are turning into. Just my job is to make sure I'm always have eyes on our roster and how we can constantly improve that in through any means, whether that be traditional high school recruiting, uh, JUCOs, transfers, prep schools, um, and then most importantly, hit on the transfers earlier, but the portal because the portal is ever-changing and just to build a department to collect as much information on the front end, because you never know when you might not, when you might need it again to come back on and use that information. Um, So yeah, we might not get someone right out of high school, but a year and a half later, we want to have all that background information available to us to where we can make the right decisions, especially when it's in a 24 hour period or a 12 hour period, how the portal turns into. (laughs) The timelines are nuts, but it is, it's been very impressive to see. And you know that it has to be the lot of the preparation the amount of guys that were, even if they're not takes at Florida State or they don't uh, eventually end up on the roster, we reach out and cast a wide net on a lot of prospects. And it's good to know that your department is the one kind of leading the charge for that. Now, you mentioned you did an interview with the Orlando Sentinel about February when you were hired, February 2022, that you're a self-professed film junkie. How much, like, how big of a part of the job is that? How much film are you personally analyzing? And I guess, is, do you guys have, like, a metric of how many hours of film you're going through like each week, just analyzing for the coaching staff? Yeah, it varies per week. You know, recruiting is, is very much like deductive reasoning, right? You're casting a huge funnel yeah. and trying to put them through different ciphers to see what's going to come out at the bottom and through different evaluation. Everyone gets wrapped up in evaluation of what they are on the field too. And that's a big piece of it for sure. But the other half of it is the character and football intelligence side of things, too, of getting into what he is off the field, what that person may be, how smart are they on the field, off the field, what is their GPA, what kind of medical grade do they have, and everything. Okay. So we want to take as much information as we can and collect all the information, and then that way we can have uh, make the best decisions. I kind of equate every recruit as a thousand-piece puzzle. 
And so each piece of information, no matter how big or small, it helps you get some. Some are more important. Obviously, those are the corners, right? right. But each little piece of information that you gain, who those difference makers, their champions in their life, what they like to do, what their favorite foods are, what they play on the what they play on the field, what games they play at night, what social media they use. Each of that is a puzzle piece, right? That kind of tells a more complete story. And so the more and more you uncover, you have a better chance of putting that puzzle together to put yourself in a winning position. That is interesting. I've got two questions. One, obviously you said that there's a big off the field component. Are you guys compiling that information? You mentioned GPA, but is that through like interviews with like former players, teammates, how in depth do you guys get? And then also you mentioned food. Is there a food that's like an automatic disqualifier? Like if you're a big black olive guy, sorry, bud, you can't come to Tallahassee. Like, is there anything that's a disqualifier? Not necessarily any disqualifiers, but I mean, even just <laughs> just every piece of information could tell a little bit of the story. Some may be of non, non-importance at all, but some may be, hey, I have an egg allergy or I have a peanut allergy. Hey, we need to be aware of that when they come oh, on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Official, unofficial. And so some of those become more important based on the answers that there are out there. But the one thing that is the balance, and my, it's important for me not to have a, non, a, a non-biased approach in this, is there's a lot of information. You could easily have information overload, but taking the information and listen to what you say. I was my last head coach that I was around Jonathan Smith when I was at Oregon state, he he would talk about, you know, recruits will tell you who they are. You just have to listen. And so how you listen and not trying to get too emotionally invested in something to where you want to block out what signs are out there and what you want to follow, just pay attention to what signs are out there and trust your instincts. Do does each position obviously? How closely do you coordinate with the coaches as far as like are there archetypes for certain positions? Like for instance, a Marcus Woodson would prefer a corner look like this. A Mike Norvell would prefer a quarterback that looks like this. Do each coach have a certain archetype, or are there qualities that when you're evaluating film that our coaching staff puts extra emphasis on? No, there there are uh, position specific sheets and. Um, on the offensive side, John Garrett, and on the defensive side, J.C. Krause, working with Chuck Canor, Jeremy Smith, and Michael Zerby, putting our position specifics of what we're looking for. Now, okay. I don't ever want to put anything in a box to be like, hey, these are heavy disqualifiers if they're not this. They're always sliding scales. But ideally, if people are equal, we want this person to meet this size metric, whether it be his height, his arm length, um, his wingspan, his hand size, everything. We're going to take as much information because what's going to the law of averages are going to play out. If they're sure. equal players on the field, you obviously want to get the bigger, stronger, faster individual. Right. But then the off the field stuff, I think that's where you can limit the missing of, okay, fundamentally, I believe you want to take a guy with a recruitable trait, right? Whether that be something that's not uh, to where you can't look at it with a bias to it. Okay. It is a measurable deal, whether it be size, whether it be speed, whether it be some elite length. And someone who loves football, you're going to get someone who can contribute to the football team. Easy. But when you go outside that, if you have questions on the character, that's where the misses happen. Interesting. So it it is right because so much of what we talked about is subjectivity, but they do need to have some objective things to able to bring a concrete return to the team. Um, As far as like you mentioned the sliders, as far as what you – what you emphasize more and what you emphasize less depending on position. Do those sliders change based on transfer portal 
versus like a high school recruit? Do you look at the character more, for example, of a transfer portal guy if there's a reason he's leaving the current roster? Or how does how does that um, that view change based on if it's a transfer portal guy or a high school recruit? Yeah, I mean, it, you, you take some of that stuff with a grain of salt, and hopefully, with the amount of staff that we have, you know, the relationships that everyone has across the board, you know, you look for character references. It is very rare that someone goes in the portal and there's going to be glowing reviews about. Right, right. Usually if they're in the portal, it's for a reason. Um, and so taking that and understanding that with a grain of salt, but that's where I think like on the front end of that, knowing who that player is out of high school and what you think and having a relationship with that person, I think that helps. Um, but also ultimately making the call to where, hey, we feel good about that. And that's all that matters. But also trusting some information that's out there like, what are some of those issues? Was it just, you know, a bad fit? Um, was it a struggle in the offense? Was he didn't like the location? Well, there could be a multitude of factors that play into that. However, when you put everything down on paper and you start checking boxes, okay, yes, we can live with these things. This is what he is as a player, but what is he as a person? Interesting. Okay. And obviously this takes a huge degree of organization and that's a, that's a, that's a, disclaimer that has been surrounded you Derek ever since your hire I think it's something that obviously Mike Norvell emphasizes you've emphasized it in previous interviews the the how much communication is happening per week between you and potential prospects and obviously with the digital age social media how much has that exploded everything you've been working in recruiting offices for a long time so how much communication are you guys doing per week in the back office how many people are you managing their communications? Just give give people an idea of like the hectic life of the type of, of the size of the department you're managing. Yeah, um, I'm lucky to be around great people and work with great people. People, you know, obviously don't, no one works for me. We all work together um, right. so starting that. And so our, our strategy and looking at what communication is, I want communication to be deliberate. It should never just be an off the cuff thing of, hey, what's up? Or how's your day? It should be very deliberate in the sense of understanding what's going on in a young man's life or what they are to where it's like a brother, big brother, little brother relationship, father figure relationship, whatever that may be. That's when you're cooking with gas for lack of right. Um, and so when you talk about those communications and meaningful, I believe you also have to have multiple people that are tied in. At the very least, the head coach, coordinator, position coach need to be tied in the area coach as well with family because they're going to start the process. And then on the other side, the support staff off the field as many people as you can have tie in the better. And so early in the process, you want to see who's going to click and have the best relationship with who it may be someone you never thought, but when they might come on campus, have a great experience, they stay in touch. That's really when you're winning at things because they have a great experience. They stay in touch. Now I've met this person in person and we'll go from there and keep that relationship going. But whoever tends to have the best relationship, we want to foster that as much as we can. Who's like a less heralded name? You mentioned that. And I think it's interesting. And I think it's also very smart. Let them talk to as many people as possible. And then the organic relationships that develop, obviously emphasize those. Who's like an unheralded name that the fan base wouldn't necessarily know, but you know, Derek, that when they're talking to a recruit, I've got one of my best guys on them. Yeah, and I think there's so many people in our office who do a phenomenal job with. That. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, so we're all—they're all good. I know they're all good for sure. We love them all. Yeah, I, I think I think you know not. I think Coach Norvell has a very unique way of being able to relate to anyone. How so? Just he is very because he, how 
how he carries himself, how open he is, and just being able to make someone smile and engage. He is very engaging, very polarizing in all good ways to where people feel naturally they can open up to to this okay. place. And that starts from the top down. He's got Robert Cooper running wind sprints every day, trying to beat him with a hellacious fury. So I agree. He can definitely make people open up sprinting, open it up communication. That's, I'm glad you mentioned the head guy. That's always something that fans like to hear. Now, you mentioned, too, in your interview about staying on the cutting edge with social media. Obviously, Florida State has a large department. However, it doesn't have the largest department. There's always trying to way to get uh, operational efficiencies, economies of scale, underutilized things. How are you guys working right now to stay on the cutting edge of the communications? And is there stuff that you're working on right now that's really differentiating you guys from your recruiting competition that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, Adam Van Clay, who's our director of recruiting, oversees the creative department. Um, between Mike Gerzebeck, Garrett Goodwin, Mitchell Miller, uh, that staff does an outstanding job working with Derek Satterfield um, in, in kind of our messaging. But again, I go back to deliberate communication, right? This is not just a – recruiting to me is an all-inclusive vacation now. Like it's – Okay. You know, we were all going to go down to the Bahamas right now. We would go to the concierge desk. We would expect smiles back and, hey, we want to go do the snorkeling. Well, there's no different in recruiting, right? Everything needs to be customized individually to someone. It can't be the same graphic a hundred times over. It needs to be unique to their likings. And that's where I go back to the questions. That's where I go back to finding out those pieces of information. Hey, if my favorite team is the Jacksonville Jaguars, well, we want it anytime we do something NFL related. God help you if it is. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Raider fan personally, but that's okay. Um, The, and I, I look at that like everything needs to be deliberate. It just right. can't be, hey, I want to throw it against the wall and see if it works. It needs to be on point. It needs to be the very best at that time. And it needs to constantly improve. What we did yesterday is not going to be good enough for today. It needs to be better than it was yesterday. You mentioned deliberate over and over and over again. And I like that because it's a, it's a consistent theme. To make sure that the communications are deliberate, are some of the potential like touch points, are they run by you first? Is there like a filtering process? Or is it just we trust our staff with that kind of autonomy? We want, like you said, you want to make sure it's direct and pointed communication. How, how are we making sure that it is? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a fine line of, of being able to be a puppet master, if you will, uh-huh. and manage all those things and themes, but also letting people have their own conversations but we want themes to necessarily match. So content that's going out, hitting on what those themes are, whatever they may be for the week or collecting some information roundabout ways, Uh, not to get into too much detail and give away all the secrets out there. Of course not. And people are listening. No, of course not. But, you know, I think it's all important when you look at it, you can always in a conversation, it shouldn't just be, Hey, you know, what are you up to tonight? It should be, Hey, how's your dog doing? And you know the dog's name or how's your girlfriend and you know the girl, you know, to where that's where I go into deliberate communication. So now it's like I can totally feel that Coach X cares about me because he understands what I have going on in my life. Or how was your history test today? You know, did you pass it? What are you learning in U.S. history? You talked about you were learning in World War Two. Now you're in. What are you in right now? And just being able to relate back on conversation with what comes with that is communication. Right. And communication of logging everything so everyone can stay on the same page, transparency wise, and just so we can use those tools effectively that we have. There's more technology in recruiting than there ever has been. Right. Which comes with that is information overload. But at the same time, if I can, if I'm in a place of recruiting call, I can look back and look at a few notes from the 
the past few weeks and just understand where those conversations are going. Now I can follow up on those same conversations. Damn, I haven't talked to Derek Ray before. And I talked to this coach, this coach, this coach, and he knew everything about it. That's when you're moving in the right way. I like that you don't have to consistently start over again where the kid feels like he has to repeat himself with somebody new. It's, yeah. it's This is a relationship. We're building it. Or a lot of these concepts that you talked about, you were very successful at Oregon State, and I will talk to you about that here in a second. Are a lot of the things that you guys are doing now, are these things that you brought over from Oregon State, or are these things that Florida State was doing prior to your arrival? Yeah, they're a uh, mixed bag. There's a, there was a great foundation that Coach Norvell had already laid here. Um, and there was great people here already that did that. Um, I think just myself being able to be in here day to day, working with some others that we have brought in and just getting on the same page and improved communication to where we're all pulling in the same direction. Okay. Um, and that's the main thing, just to stay organized and do those things. There are some things, obviously, I feel strongly about, um, but that came out. And I think Coach and I have the same exact vision of what, you know, what it needs to be, what it needs to look like and how we want to operate or, you, or we're speaking of organization about having your ducks in a row, but speaking of the actual organization, did you make any changes when you got there in February of 2022? I guess structurally, how big is the staff? Do you feel like it needs to expand? Are you guys happy with the number? Can you just can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, pretty large staff. I've never been a believer in just coming right in and saying, hey, I want to make drastic changes. Right, exactly. Right? I want to slight tweaks here or there to where, you know, and to hit on coach's message about being 1% better every day. If we can improve this little thing, this little thing, this little thing, every single day, all of a sudden we're going to look back and it's going to be unrecognizable. Right. And I will say this, like the process and everything was not broken when I came in here, not even close. It's just trying to tweak slight, slightly tweak some things to where we can all help pull in the same direction and make sure all the pipelines are flowing, make sure all the information is getting to where it needs to be and make sure communication is on point all the time. Do we have like a, as far as like the size of the department, are we happy with the number of people there? Are we looking to expand or do we kind of feel like we have enough resources dedicated to how much the extreme amount of work that you guys have right now? No, very thankful for the resources that have been pulled together from, from Mr. Alford all the way down to Coach Norvell um, to what we have. And we're operating at a high level and we'll continue to operate at a high level to do so. I agree. Very nice. Well, most people don't know this, Derek, but I do because I'm a prepared interviewer. You're an FSU grad. However, that's the Fresno State Bulldogs, which I've always had an affinity for. Big, You're a big West Coast guy. You worked at Oregon State. You worked at Fresno State. I think you even did a stint in the CFL maybe up there in Canada. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, Saskatoon. Very nice. Well, listen, how did you, as a, as a West Coast and Canada guy through and through, what was your prior knowledge of FSU? Did you have any knowledge of Mike Norvell? And how did the initial conversations even take place? Yeah, um, so I guess my first knowledge of FSU, I actually applied here at a high school. All right, um, smart man. So um, for whatever reason, I had an affinity for Florida State. But I do vividly remember, I grew up in a pro sports family. Pro sports okay. town, you know, California is not known for college no. athletics and support on the West Coast in general. It's very pro sports driven, especially in the Bay Area, Central Valley, where I'm from. Um, my first bowl game that I went to was Florida State versus UCLA. And now the Almond or- Bowl, the Almond yeah. Bowl in the baseball state, of San Francisco, right? Yeah. Now Oracle Park. And I mean, I grew up a just because USC was rolling in California, I grew up a USC fan. So naturally, I had a 
hatred for UCLA. So I was like, let's go. I don't <laughs> Florida State hard. Um, but I always, you know, watching the old games with Coach Bowden on the sidelines and um, I always enjoyed those games. They, they were on, they were on TV. Um, so that's where my kind of love for Florida State stuck out. And there's nothing like the war chant when that's going either. Um, that's so, right. You know, as a kid and, you know, when it going to how Coach Norvell and I first met, we met at a mega camp, I believe it was 2016. And it was in Oklahoma State put on this mega camp with Mary Harden Baylor when all off the field staff can go and different people could go. And shoot, there's probably 40 schools that would go for, drive around Texas. Oh, uh, wow. We were in a, I was at Oregon State at the time. We were in an SUV. Uh, he was in within his first year at Memphis on a bus. Marcus Woodson and I worked together at Fresno State, so that's who made the introduction at that oh, point. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. So that's when we first met. Um, and then, you know, when, from there, he uh, he reached out to me, and there was some mutual interest, and we kept the conversation going, and the rest is history. Yeah. Now, it's, it's an interesting hire because it was a hire that was made mid Mike Norvell's tenure. And a lot of people would question, you know, when they see, I guess, the hierarchy of college football going from Oregon State to Florida State is obviously, you know, they, they would say that that's an objective step up. However, I'm interested because at the time you really had Oregon State like running very well as far as like the recruiting department. I think uh, your last class, it was the highest rated class since 2008 for Oregon State. They had 17 all Pac-12 selections. It was their first bowl game in a while. So how difficult of a decision was it to leave Oregon State for Florida State? And was there any hesitancy because you're coming to a coach to be his right-hand recruiting man in the middle of a tenure after a couple of disappointing years? Moving a family across the country is always a tenuous task, but it could be something, too. College sports is a, is a results-based atmosphere. I mean, that, 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 did that factor into your decision at all? Uh, 100%. I love my time in Corvallis. Um, it's a great staff there, great people from the head coach down there, like so many great friends there. Spent seven years there. Um, my wife is actually due any day. Um, Congratulations. So, so the <laughs> moving a pregnant wife cross-country, uh, I'm lucky I probably didn't end up in a divorce. By the time <laughs> but, you know, we were very uh, – very happy. She, when we first got married, she all said, Hey, if we ever had the chance to get to the South, I would want to look at it. And just the time, it, the timing is never right. What do you think it is? And so the opportunity came up and we had interest, but you know, just as much as I was interviewing um, for Florida state, I was probably interviewing Florida state myself as well to make sure that the visions and the outline were the same of what I was looking for and kind of what I wanted. And at the same time, I believe we can win big here and do things the right way and can, you know, look at this place like this is somewhere you can stay for 20 plus years and live a great life, have a great career, win a bunch of games, do it the right way and finish with some rings on your finger. Uh, with hey, the, nice. We're all in the business to win and win at the highest level. And there we can do that here. Do you guys have specific recruiting goals each year? Is there, do you guys, or is it more tangent, like, I guess more nebulous as far as we want the right kids and the exact number, but do you guys also have some kind of objective goals like each year or is it a longer like time frame than that? Yeah. You always have needs to address on your roster of what you want to attain. Um, but I think the main thing is like, I've never got caught up in, in rankings or anything 
uh, of that nature because I trust our our evaluation of what guys are. Um, I think too many times people sometimes get starstruck in that end, like, okay, this guy is this, and I want to sign him because that's and that's where you're more liable to miss. But there's two things that I live by to where I want to make sure if something's not going well, leave the power to walk away. It's like you're at a blackjack table and there's a bad blackjack tape dealer. Right. Just walk away if it's going bad. Like do then the same goes for recruiting. And at the same time, we want to look for the right fit for Florida State. Who's going to be successful? Who's going to who you know, who's going to be successful not only as a football player, but in the academic environment at this university? You know, and if it's not the right fit, then move on because it's okay that we're not going to fit everyone and everyone's not going to fit us. But that's okay to say no to and just trust that process of building it right from the foundation and up. Is at a, at a larger institution like Florida State, does the amount of fan interest, obviously a bigger fan base, uh, a fan base, especially the ones that listen to Knowles 247, does that, how do you feel like, is there any way to, use that interest in your benefit has it been something that you didn't expect as far as just the general fan interest on the minutia of recruiting how is that does that affect your job at all has it been something that surprised you can you speak about that a little bit yeah i mean the fan interest is awesome fan support obviously i've probably not been at a place that has that um to this <laughs> degree um but you know everyone everyone looks at it like oh well there's you know there's always going to be people out there that have opinions. But the one thing that I totally understand is everyone wants to win. Like, why wouldn't you want to be a part of something like that? So everyone looks at it like, okay, well, you know, like Nebraska is famous for being a toxic fan base. Right. But (laughs) that's because they want to win. Right. right? Like, like why would you not want that? Like I want a fan base that cares. That's going to show up on Saturday and maybe be a difference maker for us on that third down. Like, and this one is that like, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I can't. I'm ec- ecstatic as heck to walk out there when we play Duquesne and just see it because I've shoot eighty thousand strong. Let's go. Um, yeah. The the eye opening thing for me is when I took my flight out here. I'd never been to Tallahassee before. Okay. Um, I'd been in Florida for twelve hours of my life when I was doing a home visit in December in the Tampa area, and I got on the plane and two people had recognized me. I'm like, there hasn't even been a release yet. Like, how is this happening? Interesting. Like they said, hello, Derek Ray. Did they pronounce your name at least correctly? Yeah. Was, you're the new GM. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I can't. I'm not at liberty to discuss this at the moment. That is awesome. Um, And obviously with the fan interest, there's huge events. You guys have been, that has been one thing. There has been no fear from the staff to put together huge events mega camps, big man camps, the huge event that you guys just did the end of the summer Seminoles showcase. What sort of, what's the coordination that goes into an event like that? Have you ever done anything like that in the past? And is this, are these large events something that seems to be kind of like a Mike Norvell trademark? Yeah. If you look at the events and it starts, you know, um, Madison McCormick and uh, Adam Van Clay, you know, Ryan Barco, Kiwan Ratliff, uh, Gerard Ross, who just got here, and you know, so many people who are in the operations side, and Jeff Cupper and his player development crew, uh, Bruce Warwick, like just being able to have everyone on the same page and help, right? Because those big events don't go anywhere if you don't have complete buy in from all departments, whether it be from the strength staff with Josh Storms and his staff or the athletic training staff with Josh Chapman. Like, 
all of those things, Jason based in an equipment like the only way we go forward is if we're all in this together to pull something like off that we've done before, whether it be a mega camp, whether it be the seminal showcase and trying to be on the cutting edge at the end of the day, you want the experience to be elite every time someone steps on campus. Absolutely. And because the amount of times they're going to step on campus, it needs to be different. And I go back to the word deliberate of what it's going to be, but how can you paint ourselves in a different light to where it could be a little bit of fun too, but at the same time, let's have a camp. Well, let's add, you know, the water balloon fight to things, you know, let's add some different things that we may do. Let's, you know, we're going to try to go across all the way and, Grant Eskew, Tasha, Tasha Fisher and compliance working within the rules that we can do and making sure we can get to where we want to be. We want Absolutely. to stay like those things um, to do. There's no such thing as a bad idea. Like we threw so many different ideas of what we wanted to do and how we could get some places. And we'll continue to try to stay on the cutting edge of trying to make it an elite experience every time we have some sort of big event. Any fun ideas to hit the cutting room floor that almost didn't just make the cut that you guys were kicking around? Yeah, uh, we kind of, I mean, to be honest, I don't think this was going to work compliance-wise, but we tried to, we were throwing around the idea of trying to recreate Mario Kart. Oh, yes! Who's your Uh, character, Derek? Who would you have been? Well, it wasn't so much character-related. I was a little concerned of the damage that might have occurred if we were driving across campus and uh, (laughs) trying to hit fountains and throwing turtle shells and blow up. But yeah, we looked at it like, hey, if we rented 40 golf carts, can we get there? And there's some, there's some issues that might have been presented. Uh, dear, I think you would have been a, just a rock solid Mario, man. Like just hitting on all cylinders. You would have been great. Just slinging banana peels and shells. I, uh, let's, uh, let's check with compliance. Cause I, I think that that's an event that needs to happen. Um, Seminole Supercard showcase. Well, listen, you've got, like you mentioned, Florida state best fans in the entire game. And I mean that with a bullet. Is there anything specifically that you and the Florida State Recruiting Department would like to say as the final message to Florida State fans about what's happening in the department? And before you do, I want to say just thank you for all your time, Derek. You've been great. There's been a lot of things that I knew and a lot of things that I didn't know that I found out during this conversation. But just to kind of cap it off, what do you and your department want to say to Florida State fans in regards to Seminole recruiting? Yeah, I mean, we appreciate the engagement and everything that you guys bring to the table and the support. We can't wait to have everyone back in Doak when we kick off First Duquesne. And every person in the seat matters. Be loud, be proud, wear garnet, be gold. Absolutely. So for myself, Trey Rowland, for Brendan Sinone, for the master of the Rainbow Road, general manager of personnel, Derek Ray, this is another edition of the on the bench one-on-one interview series Derek I really really appreciate your time uh thank you so much for the conversation I'd love to speak with you again as recruiting is always fluid and it's always changing I would love to talk with you again just to get updates on what you guys are doing because you're doing great work yeah thanks guys appreciate you all having me and uh Brendan I'm sure I'll see you at a practice tomorrow and uh we'll uh go Knowles get that man some bourbon Brendan go Knowles (laughs) On the bench, another episode. Five stars, Apple Podcast. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your frenemies. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Bye.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.